Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well and welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant as we count you down who I think are the most relevant players for the 2024 Supercoach AFL Fantasy and Dream Team seasons for this year. Joining me on this episode to talk about Zach Fisher, a fascinating player I'm keen to dive into for the second time this season. Mini Mike, it's good to see him. And man, Zach, he's a fascinating player to talk about, isn't he? He is a very fascinating player to talk about. You know, we've we've all been struggling with putting our forward lines together for our 2024 fantasy drafts, and he's a player that can slot right into there, but there's plenty to be talked about with him. He's one of the guys that it's a great reminder of how quickly your fantasy relevance can move. You can go from obscurity, which politely Zach has been for his entirety of his AFL career to now he's making his debut in the 50 most relevant last year a seasonal average of 67.7 in Supercoach he delivered the one ton for us last year in that format a career high and season high score a 126 while over in AFL fantasy and dream team an average of 69 two tons 108 was his top score last year, just narrowly missing out on his career high in that format, a 109. In Dream Team, he's going to set back just over $636,000, just under that price point in AFL Fantasy. He's coming in at $623,000, while for Supercoach, he's going to set you back at $378,600. We talk about this value variancy that can come so quickly in fantasy football. The biggest thing, and probably the reason why he's on the list for us, is there was a significant two elements that really took place for us late last year at Minimunk. One was a experiment that was trialed in the VFL, then deployed at AFL level with some pretty limited games, but reasonable success. And then now moved to a club, and we'll look at them in detail in a moment, that have shown for years halfbacks at that football club of North Melbourne are highly relevant for us. Gosh, Zach Fisher could be anything in 2024. Yeah, he really could be anything. He comes in at that really interesting mid-price of the bracket, probably just a bit more expensive to your typical mid-pricer. But as you said, he's had that club change and he's had that role change that we've seen already like it's not something that's coming about during the preseason that's being talked up and drummed up by the club in order to get interest in a in a player that's come into their club it's come from the previous club three vfl and then into the afl level there's been multiple stages to it and the club i think probably north melbourne kind of said we're probably going to play them off of half back and you know we don't just have that three or four game sample size that we've seen at AFL level. We also have that six or seven games that we've seen at VFL level where he's shown that he can score at that level as well. And then coming into a club that, you know, we know that the halfbacks for North Melbourne can score quite well. They've done it last year. They did it the year before. They did it the year before that. And the thing is now there's the absences there. There is space for players off the halfback flank. So it seems like a pretty smart recruiting job by North Melbourne. And, you know, it might lead some very high relevance for us in our fantasy starting squads. Let's look at these, just a few games that he played at AFL level. He made this defensive debut in round 21 against the Saints. 32 disposals, 
four rebound 50s, four clearances, and that season-high 108 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and career-high 126 in Supercoach. The following fortnight plays exclusively off halfbacks, goes 63 and 103 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 53 and 96 in Supercoach. It's this role really that, the junior kicking and decision-making and run and carrying that was so highly spoken about him, finally at AFL level, I know it's only a few games, but finally at AFL level, we all started to see it click for him. Zach played 12 games at AFL level last year. And last year between round one and 12, he played eight matches. There he played exclusively off half forward and he averaged 60.5. There's a reason for why I'm getting to this. That was in AF and DT, 59.6 in Supercoach. Now, he did play half of round 24 for halfback and then another kind of third to half of round 24. So we've kind of removed that game from the equations and gone, right, the eight games he played exclusively half forward and then eight games he played exclusively halfback. What's the difference? Well, it's this, round 21 to 23, he averaged 91.3 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 91.6 for Supercoach. Minimum, that's an increase of 30.8 and 32, depending on the formats you play, points per game of value there for us. And then, as you said, it's not just a three-game sample size. It is probably a 10-game sample size if you include what he was able to do at the lower levels. And now he's at this football club with the opportunities and in a line that we spoke about just the other day with Kane when we spoke about Connor McDonald that people feel really uncomfortable, probably outside of two or three guys to pick at F1. They're looking at that F2, F3, gosh, even F4 and going, I don't like what I'm picking here. So Zach looms as a real life-saving option for fantasy teams this year. If he can replicate that 90-odd that he got in those last three games that he played at the halfback role, it puts him as a top three forward in AF and a top 10 forward in super coach. Wow. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about a player that's coming in priced at, you know, 30th or 40th in the respective formats. And he has the potential to be a top three, top six, top 10 forward. Like if he comes out as the top 10 forward for you in the format at the price that he is at, that's a massive win. And, you know, we talk about sample size being a problem, but three games is a, fairly decent sample size for a team that was actually trying to make a push towards the finals and ended up making it quite deep into the finals mm. as well. That they, they clearly thought that they had something there. And I think that North Melbourne probably do as well. Otherwise they wouldn't have drafted into him. There's clearly a role for him to be able to score well. And if you look at those three games, you know, Carlton weren't a, a team that was notorious for getting a lot of chip mark game stuff. They're not a no. very high possession. They were wanting to move the ball quite quickly. Those three games, he had four marks, no marks, and five marks. Mm. So nine marks across three games, and he was still able to average 90. Now, remember what Batman and Robin used to do? Hall and Zebel were down back for North Melbourne when they <laughs> would just kick it to each other. They're yep. racking up double-digit mark numbers, sometimes even in a single half. You, you have to think that, uh, that Fisher is able to get, you know, at least four, five, six marks a game playing in that half-back line. That's an additional, you know, 15 points a game. If you just put that on top of what his average was from 2023, you're already saying, yeah, that's enough. I can pick him. 15 points of upside, perfect. He's going to fulfill the role. 
But if you combine that with the additional, you know, 20 or 30 points that he has baked into his price because of the fact that he played off half forward to start the year, that's enough to push him into, you know, your, your, your top six calculations. There is a world that he ends as a top six forward and you've just picked him up for 650K in AF and, you know, just under 400K in super coach. These yeah. are the types of things that dreams are made of. And as you say, forward lines are a mess. Like there's a couple of options up near the top that people are considering. And then there's a bunch in that mid price of bracket. It's a wide open space. The other day you were talking about Connor McDonald and he's exactly the type of player that fits into that bill. Another player, someone like Adams, or you've got players like Rochelle or Sardis that people are just trying to find a narrative as to why you can select him. Well, there's a pretty clear narrative for Fisher. And I think that he's a very valid option, especially at this stage of the preseason to be considering. We want to talk about this North Melbourne back line in a moment. But before we get there, let's put some of the concern to bed about him playing that half forward line because no point getting excited about that defensive spot that we know is juicy. And I'll go through some numbers in a moment. Let's look at what this half forward line looks like. Heavy draft capital on a Zane Dersma. Now, he's not your atypical small half forward. He's got some mobility about him. He's got some size about him. He's got some presence, but he's also got some dynamic X factor, really clean below his knees, really strong overhead mark. He's going to kind of really complement Larky and Zerha beautifully as this hybrid forward. Then you've got this interesting dynamic. Do we see Sheasel pop through? I wonder if we'll talk about that during the 50 most relevant if your namesake, Harry, makes it into the 50 most relevant. You've got Curtis, who has shown some time through the wings and half forward as well. You've got even a Taron Thomas that has probably been at his best playing that hybrid mid-forward role. And even Jai Simkin, through the early front part of his career, spent a lot of time through the forward line. Do you see a necessity from a recruitment or a list needs for... Zach to play in this half forward line. So whenever clubs go into that draft and trade season, they always do the trades first and then it's the drafts afterwards. North Melbourne have gone out of their way and they've traded into Fisher. So they see a role for him and then they've gone and drafted McKercher. So yeah, I I think that that role is going to be for him because why would you draft a, a, a half forward, forward pushing guy when you've already got another three or four that can play the role and you've lost a couple of players who played off of that halfback line after you've already traded into a player that's playing off halfback. Like it, to me, it just, it, it's trading with purpose. They've traded for him for a reason. And if he, he's not playing off halfback, he's probably playing in the VFL. And, you know, frankly, that is a risk associated with a player like this. But frankly, with our forward lines, we're probably going to have to take a risk at some point this season anyway. So I, I think, think yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be playing anywhere but half back. And whether that's at the AFL level or the VFL level, we'll find that out. But I'd be pretty confident he's playing it at the AFL level, at least to start the season. I agree. I think the spot is his to lose. And then it's about what he does in that opportunity, about whether he retains it after three, four, five, eight, ten weeks from there. Let's talk yeah. about Aaron Hall and Jack Siebel. Both have departed out of the side and between sort of 2020 to 2023 over this kind of four-year gap. Both of these players have shown under numerous coaches and under now the current coach of Alistair Clarkson that when they play across half back, 
These boys know how to fantasy point this thing out. Aaron Hall, between 2021 and 2023, played 37 games across halfback. And over the three-year period, averaged 100.5 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 96.8 in Supercoach, with career-best season in 2021. An average of 108.9 in Fantasy and 105.2 in Supercoach. The former club captain, again, he's since departed the club through retirement, a staple of this defensive unit too. In 2021 and 2023, those were the years he played in this back line and he averaged 189.6 in AFL Fantasy and it was even stronger in Supercoach, 107.6 and 89.5. Even throw Harry Sheasel, if you like, into the mix. 97.3 in his debut year in AF and 99.5 in Supercoach. We'll talk about what this defensive line looks like in a moment, but it does feel really strongly that barring some significant changes in style or structure, if Zach Fisher is in this North Melbourne AFL side and on halfback, not only is he a Monty to get forward defensive Mm. status, which will be huge for us during the season, Mm. but also, as you said, there's a world where this guy's at not just top 10, but top six forward across the formats for us, which is crazy to think about it. But all the variables of a line to mean that it's in a world of possibility. Paul, Sheasel and Zebel all have a massive thing in common. They were season-defining picks in the years where they took off. They had the ability to be able to shape whether you did well and whether you did poorly. And Fisher, if he's off that half-back line, has the exact same potential as well. Like, if you pick him up round one and he goes at 80 90% of what Sheasel did to start the year last year, you're getting a guy that, as you say, could be a top six forward at a fraction of the price. So, you know, big, big watch on him, big watch on what he could do because if he can define your season like that and you have the option to be able to pick him up round one, then why not? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That's the beauty of him. The, the, un, the unspoken component is who plays these halfback and outside roles. We've already addressed the forward line, but this halfback and wing role is fascinating to me. As great as she was last year, do you build the narrative that what he was as a junior, as a kind of center to forward half of the ground and using his skills is of greater value to them. Do you look at a Luke McDonald who's historically played a lot of his career through the back pocket and half back line? Does he go there? Do they develop a Colby McCurcher in the same way that Clarko developed Harry Sheasel where they went, we, we love what you're going to be for us, but we're going to teach you our systems and structures. We're going to take some pressure off you and let you read the play a little more and not react as McKercher go back there. And so while there is absolutely a great opportunity for Zach Fisher here, and we don't get too concerned, as we've said, two or three of these guys have all scored okay. It does get interesting to me that who plays these halfback roles? Who gets these distribution options? I feel really confident that Stevens. And Scott will play either wing and they'll kind of hold that down. 
But what happens with these other skillful ball users that they have and outside players that they have? That's the beauty of the preseason for us, isn't though, Mini Mike? We, we'll get a couple of games. We'll get some press conferences. We'll get to see before we have to buy. And even then, that's what those early correctional trades are all for is adapt if necessary. Yeah. And, and look, it's it's going to be a team sheets kind of watch with, with North Melbourne. And let's be real, it quite often was even last year as well. You're always trying to see where they're lining up, who's going to be where, what are the roles that they're going to have. Luckily, they play a pretty early game in round one, so we'll have somewhat of an idea. And as you said, we get the preseason games to be able to watch, to be able to see what role he gets. I think we're both fairly confident he's going to be playing off halfback. It's probably who's going to be playing alongside him. I, I would probably bet money to start the season that Sheeza will be alongside him and that they probably try and pair one, if not two sort of rebounders alongside that. Maybe Luke McDonald pushes onto the wing a bit with Scott, but you know, a lot to be ironed out. But the other beauty with someone like Fisher is that there's a lot of bailout options as well. Oh, yes. Like we we talk about this and it's something that's probably not touched upon enough when you're building your preseason squad is what is the move if he fails? Like where are you going to if someone like Fisher fails? And the good thing is at his price point, there are options down and there's a couple of options just a little bit up from him as well that you can move to like... Someone like Sardis, if you need to do a correctional move and you think he's got the role, you can make 200K in AF and 100K in SC moving to him. That allows you to target the rookie that you might have missed that pops in the first two weeks. If you want to build a bit of cash up and move to someone else, it's going to cost you 30K to go up to someone like Adams or 20K to go up to someone like Connor McDonald. He's in that real sweet spot as someone that you can sit at, say, F2 or F3 and have confidence to say, right, if he pops, great, we're off to the races, we're killing it from here. But if he fails, I've got options to be able to move off of him. Parachutes are so important early in the season. You, you've been really successful over a number of years across mm. formats. You ask any coach that's had ranking success over a number of different spots, and they'll tell you the same thing, how quickly you adapt early in the season is almost as important as any move you could make in the front half of the year. When you see moves, when you see things, don't get so emotionally attached. Don't double down and be stubborn. When you see it, react to it and move on it. You're right. Fisher gives us probably five or six parallel parachutes, let alone, like you said, the up and downs. If you see what you love about Flanders, all of a sudden, round four, pull the parachute. You can go up and over, go down to a Sardis, go down to a cow, go across to an Adams, go to someone we've already put in this 50 most relevant in Connor McDonald. There's a bunch there. There's one more thing I want to ask you about before we look at drafts. You touched earlier in this episode about this level of discontent there is amongst the community about really feeling confident to spend money in the forward lines. I'm seeing a lot of ideologies run through, which is I've got to pick someone at F2, so I might as well pick and insert one of the guys that are probably priced inside the top 15 to 20, and, yeah. and they've got an element of risk to it. I'm not saying that's a wrong approach or a right approach, just saying it's a common ideology of, let's be honest, the popular one is I'll get McRae at F1, and then I'll go, I'll get a more, I'll get a Flanders, I'll get a Dusty, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get a whatever, you know, name for namesake there. Do you feel more confident in putting a Fisher type 
as opposed to this is we'll use a name not having a go or saying it's wrong but a flanders type i know there's too many variables to make it too close but based on how you view the forward lines being structured out where the value sits and where the question marks at the top end sit do you feel more comfortable having an f2 to f3 with these guys bunched up here or do you feel spending more comfortable with a couple of more top end forwards at f1 and f2 it's, it's a really tricky question. We've come from a year in 2023 where spending up was the right decision and you could have started four or five top line premiums and been very happy because they were all players that we had faith in that were going to be top six forwards and that ended up being top six forwards as well. Now, the big thing that we have to be aware of is that you can't play every year the same. You can't just say, right, I've got a set structure where I put two good premiums in my back line. I put four in my midfield. I put one, maybe two in my rock line. I pick two in my forward line. You've got to look at the players that you're comfortable with and say, right, if I see F1 as being, you know, a Jack McRae, a Flanders, a Moore, a Dusty, someone that you're wanting to put there, what do I want to do at F2? And that's going to depend on your entire team balance. It's going to be depending yeah. on, do you want to spend up in your midfield? Do you want to spend up down back? And it's going to be on how comfortable you are with the players that you're picking between, say, Flanders and someone like Zach Fisher. Now, in terms of structure, I think it's really up to you. Having someone like Zach Fisher, you know, at F2 probably does leave you feeling a little bit shortchanged in your forward line. But I think everyone's going to feel a little bit shortchanged in their forward line. We're going from a forward line where we had 100, 105 averaging players to look, realistically if we don't get any dpps the highest averaging forward could be sub 100 could be in the low 90s mm. like we just have to adapt to what we're given but he's the type of guy where at this stage of the preseason he could end up anywhere between f2 and f4 in most people's teams and f3 does seem like a fairly stable spot for him but it's just about what seems best for you and how you feel comfortable wise and for me i'm comfortable enough having it at f2 and i'm comfortable enough having it at f4 yeah so Really good potential value point, Zach Fisher. If he holds this role, he could be one of not the, just the best forwards, but an incredible player that helps you through up until that round 12 buy. As a defender, as a forward. We know that first DPP lot will come at the conclusion of round six, but he will open pathways and avenues for you. He's a trading asset, not just because of what he could be, but because as Mini Monks highlighted, there are parachutes to go up, across, and down, and to act and react as quickly as necessarily needed. Fisher could hold the key for you this preseason, and if he's not been on your watch list because you're looking at the forwards going, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, at the very least, put Fisher on notice to watch what his role is, to listen to how the clubs speak about him in the preseason, to watch what he does through those intra at practice and preseason matches. We won't get to see him in opening round, but the opening round data may just inform enough about whether or not Zach Fisher is right for our starting squads or whether he is not. Let's talk about what happens on draft day. Ultimately, the variable for every draft isn't just size of your squads, size of coaches. We know that's there. But really, when it comes to Zach, probably the greatest variable is how deep in the preseason is your draft day and what is the level of information we have available to us, not just about Zach, but around the rest of that North Melbourne halfback unit and who's sitting there. That'll probably determine, Mini Mike, a lot of where he goes on draft day. I think if you're desperate for him and like you want him, 
you are spending an F2 spot probably on most points, you'd feel comfortable at F3. And, and in some leagues, you might land there. That would be the dream. But I think the reality is given, as you've alluded to, the lack of top-end guys we like, you might have to go speculative as early as F2. Yeah. I have a feeling you might. I have a feeling you probably go somewhere in the mid to late F2s in most drafts. I mean, it's all going to be depending on how switched on the coaches that you're drafting with are. Because if they see his average, they probably slip him down the draft board a bit. But if they've actually done their research and they've looked at what he did at the end of 2023 and where he's been training and leading up to in the start of 2024, and he is a halfback, the switch on coaches will be saying, look, I might want to actually just spend an early F2 type peak to be able to pick him up and guarantee that I have someone that's at least got a pretty stable role and can actually perform at a line where, you know, he can pump out consistent 80s. And with the way that the forward line is to this stage of the preseason and with what it's going to look like coming into the start of the year, someone who's averaging mid 80s could be just verging on that top 10 forwards. So it is definitely a value pick. It's going to be about buying him at the right time. I think he's in that F2 range, probably in the middle of the round out uh, the F2 range. Yep. Um, and I'd probably be looking at him somewhere around, you know, maybe around about the eighth or ninth round in a draft. If it's a 10 team league, I think yep. that's about where I'd be looking for him. Yeah. And the reason that it's that quote unquote late, you might've heard that and went, I know anyway, it's like, no, trust me. It'll be mid heavy, the top yeah. end rucks. And the spatter, there's more depth at the top of the defensive line of premiums than there is in forwards. So you might have heard that and went, no, that's wrong. It's like, no, 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 that's that's 2023 kind of legacy ideology just floating back there. The forwards are going to get pushed. If you don't get one of those top two, three, four, man, they are going to be punting forwards a lot this year. You're going to want to get a good one if you can. But then after that, man, anything could happen on draft day. And it probably will. Minimunk, it's been a pleasure to talk with you about Zach Fisher. Someone I know you're really excited to monitor this preseason. I appreciate your work on this episode today. Cheers. And yeah, big preseason monitor. Just write down the notebook and keep watching and I'll catch you sometime soon, I'm sure. Yeah, no, we will get you back very, very quickly. If you want to go and check out the article on Zach Fisher or any of the other players we've revealed so far on the 50 Most Relevant Coaches Panel, .tv is where you can check that out. You can also watch these as video podcasts. So if you haven't checked them out, jump onto YouTube, search for the Coaches Panel, subscribe to the channel, put the notifications on, and every single episode of the 50 Most Relevant, we will put those videos for you up there as well as wherever you get your audio podcasts from, that is where you can find the coaches panel. If you want to know about who's tomorrow, hang around for 30 seconds. I've got some details for you, but the good news is our Patreons already know who it is. If you're a breakout or a premium tier supporter for as little as $5 a month, you can support the coaches panel. You'll get access to a bunch of other exclusive pieces of content. There's articles from mini monk. There's hidden group chats. There's, group opportunities to get involved. There's a bunch of other hidden rewards. Plus those two tiers, get these podcasts 24 hours early. So they hear this clue that I'm giving you right now. One, they've already listened to this episode, but two, they're now already ahead. And they're like, what do you know? Who's at 46? Figured the clue out. So if you'd like to know, jump on over all the details for all our Patreon, where you can find these podcasts and how you can keep in touch with us across social media are all in the description of this episode. All right, who's at number 46? Let's give you a couple of clues. I'm going to stand in the forward line. If you haven't picked it just yet, 
the 40s are the dirty forwards for a big chunk of it. Why? <laughs> There's a lot of swing and misses that could come. But this guy has already given us multiple seasons where he's been considered a premium and a premium forward. At least in one of the formats, he's pretty much a cash cow. And there is a role that he holds in his team that has been screaming out, and he is the perfect guy for it. Could he be alongside Fisher, alongside McDonald? Is he in their range, or is he a little higher, or is he a little lower? But could he be another of these three amigo forwards that get us out of jail, that start us strong, and help us set ourselves up for success in the forward line in 2024? Who's at number 46? You will find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.